Hello and welcome to History in Reverse, a father-daughter science fiction podcast. Today we will be discussing the short story All You Zombies by Robert Heinlein, the 2014 movie Predestination, and the 2001 Futurama episode Roswell That Ends Well. Hello, everyone. Welcome to History in Reverse. My name is Caroline. I'm here with my father, Richie. Hello. And today we're talking about a bunch of different things, uh, actually, that are all related to each other, uh, starting with short story, All You Zombies, the movie Predestination, which is based on that short story, and the Futurama episode, which is also based on that short story. It's loosely a, based on the idea. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's the same same main concept. So we've, I think we're going to do, we're going to discuss them in that order. So before we jump into it, Dad, did you look up anything about the author? Well, um, the author was Robert Heinlein. He's a very famous science fiction author. He's written many, 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 many things, mm-hmm. including some classics like Strange in a Strange Land. You know, the phrase Grok is from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's wrote Moon is a Harsh Mistress. He's written a bunch of YA stuff, a lot of short stories. He was a very prolific writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read a bunch of his stuff. And All You Zombies was a story written in 1958 in one day. Yes, he wrote it in one day. And as I said before we started podcasting, you kind of can tell. Uh, but it's a, it's an interesting story. And it was published in Playboy, of all places, <laughs> which used to publish uh, <laughs> other things besides pictures. I don't really know that much about Heinlein. I didn't really look up much about him, but he's very well known. He's won a bunch of awards for things. Mm-hmm. And um, When was this story published? Because you could 1959. Sort of- Yes. So it's sort of interesting to think that between 1959 and 2014, I don't there I don't think there were any other adaptations of it. No, no. So that that's interesting we could definitely talk about maybe why that is. Uh some of the the racy things in All You Zombies. So uh why don't we start with the short story then? Okay. Um, who why don't you go? What who 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 do we start with in the short story? So I think it starts in the bar, right? Mm-hmm. It's a bartender serving drinks to somebody mm-hmm. and he the guy says it's it's a it's a guy mm-hmm. and they start talking and i guess he asked him for a name and he says i am an unmarried mother mother mm-hmm. right is that unmarried mother right? yes unmarried yeah. mother yeah yes and that is um in the short story the bartender knows what that means the unmarried mother is uh, a pen name for these confession stories in magazines, which right, right. So you probably don't remember those because you are you post magazines person. Yes. <laughs> but um, in the good old days, they used to have these magazines, they were like paper magazines, and they were called True Confessions. They and would they print these... and on paper. They would print magazines. Yes, that's yeah. a science fiction idea. There, that's <laughs> that's. I don't know what that is. <laughs> and. Um, and basically, there were, there were these kind of pulp magazines where we had these just cheaply written stories. And you could, as a writer, you could make a living selling stories to these. And they were very kind of a titillating, you know, so unmarried matter. You can kind of imagine what kind of stories mm-hmm. uh, this guy wrote. In fact, you know, science fiction stories in like 40s and the 50s were also published in these kind of pulp magazines. Mm-hmm. So... True Confessions was was genre. Science fiction was different genre. It was uh, considered very lowbrow kind of writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and science fiction was considered lowbrow for a very long time. Yeah. 
So yeah, so the unmarried mother is a man sitting at mm -hmm. the bar and they get to talking. Right. And um the unmarried mother basically says, like, my life story is so interesting you wouldn't believe you me wouldn't if I told you. And the bartender says, I'll bet you this bottle that like I've I've heard better or something. I don't know if they bet a bottle of alcohol. <laughs> and the unmarried mother starts to describe his childhood. And there's something very unique about his childhood. Right. He says, when I was a little girl. Mm -hmm. And the bartender says, what? <laughs> <laughs> and the unmarried mother says, let me finish. I'm explaining. And so the unmarried mother explains that he was born a girl. And the pronouns in this are going to get real confused real fast. So I'm going to go ahead and use the pronouns that are in the story. Right. Um, and then we can discuss afterwards how that worked in the 50s, how that would work now, et cetera, et cetera. So he describes that he was born a uh, female and lived as a girl for the majority, majority of his life, I think, actually, at this point. From, um, like I guess, into early 20s. Yeah. But the interesting thing about him was that uh, as a girl, he was a foundling. Right. Right. He was found at the... Somebody left him as a baby at, at the door to... An orphanage. Uh, an orphanage, yeah. right. Yeah, old school bad orphanage so he was left the baby at the time in the story the baby is named jane i believe jane is left as a baby at the orphanage and is raised at the orphanage right but she's always kind of she's she's different from other girls she's, she's different from other girls she's a little bit of an outsider she seems to mm -hmm. be very smart yeah and uh and she's also very tough she you know she gets bullied a bit and she doesn't put up with bullies she kind of pencils them in the nose and she gets into trouble Right, exactly. And so she never gets adopted. She also describes being not particularly attractive. She never gets adopted. So as she gets older, she wants to join this like special... In the story, it's a little bit less clear, but it's like this special space group kind of thing. Right. So well, this was for Playboy, right? So in, in, yeah. in the 50s, right, there was a space program which was getting started and they would have the astronauts. The first meant to fly in space it like it was in early 60s mm -hmm. so the astronaut stuff didn't really start yet but since this is science fiction and and there there is a like an astronaut corp where they're planning to go trips into space and of course men need to be able to relax while they're out in space you know doing hard of space stuff mm -hmm. so they need some women to comfort them let's say yes <laughs> yes exactly and it's actually funny because if this, the story was written in 1959 and he references like the 1970s as like the future, it's right. very strange. <laughs> so she signs up basically to be in this group. In the story, the group is called the Wenches. It's like an acronym that spells out Wenches and it's later changed in the future. It changes to a different name that spells out Whores. So right. not very, not very nice things coming from the author, but okay, that's what we've got. Well, that's and, the 90s, 50s for you, right? So the, the these girls basically were there to to be, I guess, sexual toys for the astronauts, not to be astronauts themselves. Right, but they would get to go into space. Right, and that's what that's what Jane was interested in. She wanted, right. she was into science, very smart. She wanted to go into space, and she had managed to keep herself. She had managed to stay a virgin up until her early 20s. Right, and then she meets the most mysterious stranger who she just falls in love with. See, I'm confusing the, the story with the books. I don't describe how they meet. 
in a story versus how how they meet in a book it's in in the in the short story um she doesn't give too many details about how they meet she just says that they meet and he had a pocket full of hundred dollar bills and so she was like fascinated by the fact that he had all this money right and that they they saw each other a few times that they had like a relationship and then she she basically she she indicates that they had sex one time and then he disappeared right and she you know was mad at him for a while because he broke her heart and sort of well well the unmarried mother in the future as a man uh is telling the story he's saying you know that bastard ruined everything that's that's the person that ruined my life if i could get my hands on him i'd kill him so jane you know gets her heart broken or whatever but she doesn't think very much of it until she finds out well so she's pregnant but she's pregnant right and she's got a problem Right. So she carries, I think she, she carries the baby to close to term. Right. Mm-hmm. And then she's in a hospital for, I guess, unmarried mothers. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they have to, something is not quite right. So they have to do a C-section, right. Mm-hmm. And operate on her. And when she wakes up from being, uh, from the birth, the doctor says, we had to, uh, do some extra surgery while you were under. Mm-hmm. Because we discovered that your body has both the lady parts and the boy parts, mm-hmm. and the lady parts were very damaged by this pregnancy and birth. We had to remove them all, mm-hmm. so you are no longer a lady. Mm-hmm. You are you are now going to be a guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, and so they say they're going to give her treatments so that she can that. Her male parts can take over her, whatever he describes it, and then she can start living as a man. Right. And so. Well, so while while all this is happening, the baby was in the hospital mm -hmm. and the baby gets stolen before she's able to leave. She slash he is able to leave Mm -hmm. uh, the hospital. Yeah. And some some men comes who claims to be the uncle or something. Yes. And takes the baby and disappears. Yep. And Jane assumes it must be the baby's father because who else right. would come to steal the baby? But she's, you know, obviously uh, horrified by the fact that her baby was stolen. And then now she's being forced to transition to being a man, like, completely against her will. These surgeries were right. done to her, right. unknown to her, against her will. And we'll talk about that at the end of this description. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now from this point forward, the character switches to male pronouns and, and identifying right. as male. So, so this, in the story, I mean, he doesn't have a, a name. In the movie, he switches his name to John at this point. Right. In the story, he just uses unwed, unmarried mother. Unmarried mother, right. So then... Uh, then know, he talks about his life, how he's, uh, you know, tried this, that, the other thing. You know, he clearly could not go back. She did not qualify for an astronaut. Or was that in the, on the movie? Yeah, he, he would not. They wouldn't let him be a, a real astronaut because they rejected him after the physical exam then he didn't have anything else to do. And he's like sort of stumbled into writing these confessions, having had the, you know, some experiences. With um, the, uh, the, the woman's point of view. Right. Actually, he became like a copywriter or some, a, a, a copywriter. He would copy people's stuff. And then he, and again, I don't know if this is, this, I think this is in both in the story in the movie, which says she was copying somebody else's writing. Who was writing these true confession stories? He says, "I can do this." Right. And he did. 
And he says, like, these were dumb stories, but they sold. Right. They made the money. (laughs) So that's where the unmarried mother's story kind of ends. And the barkeep gives him the bottle. And then the barkeep says, like, what would you do if you could get your hands on this guy that ruined your life? And the unmarried mother's like, like, what do you like? What do you mean? And the barkeep's like, I know where he is. And the unmarried mother's like, what? (laughs) And they go into the secret little basement of the bar and the barkeep has a device and i think in the movie the device looks like a violin case a violin case in the book it's just described as a suitcase looks like a suitcase what is the device that he has well it's a time machine (laughs) and he it's actually really interesting i don't know if you caught this in the in the story there's like a net involved Right, right. You have to like the, the part that, well, I mean, when you time, time travel, right, how much of the space around is going to go with you, right? Yeah. You know, you have to be touching the thing or what. So, but I mean, if you're touching it, then you're touching the ground and, right, mm-hmm. so it makes sense. They put like a net over you, yeah. over you or the, over the travelers and, it, and, you know, and that sucks you through the time tunnels. I just think it's so funny. The concept of them is like throwing a net over themselves and he says like you have to be step you have to be standing on the net as well because otherwise you could time travel and leave like the soles of your feet behind (laughs) it's just like such a weird random detail in this story well (laughs) but i mean makes sense to me you know (laughs) so they time travel oh god and and at this point in time ladies and gentlemen on wikipedia there is a diagram that shows all the time traveling if you can decipher it yeah. Congratulations. I'll try to include the link to, to it in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you can easily find it. So Kudos to whoever made that diagram for being able to do that. It is so confusing. But it's a time travel story, so that's why it's confusing. So they travel to... Basic, basically, the bartender brings the unmarried mother to a time period. To, and meet, to meet Jane. To, to meet Jane. Right. Well, the unmarried mother doesn't know that. The reader doesn't know that at the time. But basically, the bartender brings him to that point. At that point, the bartender just kind of like leaves him and like goes and does other things. So we're we're away from the unmarried mother for a while. But what unfolds, shockingly, shocker, the unmarried mother is the man Jane had met and fallen in love with and gotten pregnant by. So the unmarried mother fathers himself with himself in the past yes yes my my mind just (laughs) (laughs) and the person who steals the baby is the bartender he takes the baby from the hospital and drops baby jane off at the orphanage so we get um further back in time so yeah so we get like a bunch yeah like a bunch of jumps and stuff like that and then i forget in the story because i got confused by the end of the short story the short story is only 15 pages so yeah. this is like a pact. Like it's like every sentence is like go go go. I forget how they do the barkeeper reveal in the short story. I'm looking at a diagram. <laughs> Basically, what ends up being revealed through the story is that the bartender is also Jane, because what happens is Jane becomes he, he recruits him for this this time. Uh police or whatever right so jane becomes the the unmarried mother the unmarried mother fathers himself and therefore becomes like a person kind of out of time like a person who has no connections 
So the bartender recruits the unmarried mother to be part of this like time police thing. Sort of while while the story is going on, the barkeeper is referencing the fact that he time travels. So it's actually not like that big of a reveal that there is a time travel machine because he's kind of talking about that and different time periods. And um, it then turns out that he, the bartender recruits the unmarried mother and then the unmarried mother eventually is the bartender. So right. really the whole story has one character. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a pretty wild ride. But let, why don't we talk about the quote with the, I mean, that's pretty much the plot of the, of right. the short story. Right. Why don't we talk about the quote that the story is named after? All you zombies? Yeah. So it's towards the very end of the story. Like the last page. Yeah. So the barkeeper has a ring that he wears. That's the Ouroboros. It's the snake eating its own tail. Right. And that's the symbol for the agents, right? Right. And so he says, I glance at the ring on my finger, the snake that eats its own tail forever and ever. I know where I came from, but where did all you zombies come from? And that's the ref. That's the line. And for the life of me, I cannot figure out what that means. <laughs> all like all you who you is he talking to the reader? Is he talking to? So there's a. So what I was thinking about that there's this in philosophy there is this uh, kind of view. I exist right because I can think and it, I have stuff going in my head. Mm-hmm. But you are just zombies. I have no idea what goes in your head. So you could be zombies. There could be nothing. You could be just pretending to mm-hmm. be conscious. You're not really conscious. How, the, what's the difference between the two? And I suspect that seems to be like a reference to that point. What he, you know, the unmarried mother slash Jane, knows exactly the whole cycle, how he exists in time, how he or she, or he and she exist in time, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have any idea about anybody else. So to him, we are all zombies. That's hmm. that's an imp- interpretation I could think of. I could definitely see that. It's just it's very odd. And like to name the story "All You Zombies," right? I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah, I mean, maybe it is kind of about the fact that like he is so distinct from all you zombies because of his sort of self perpetuating existence. Right. Right. Yeah, interesting. I like it. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Solve that one. <laughs> okay. Next. So, okay. So that's the short story. The movie is very faithful to that. Um, I think everything we describe in the short story is pretty much present in the movie. Correct. The movie adds, this might shock everyone, it adds some Hollywood explosions and violence and guns and that kind of thing. So the main thing they add is the fizzle bomber. Right. So in the movie... There's the idea of this terrorist who keeps bombing things and the time people or the time agents are trying to prevent him from doing something really horrible, right? Mm-hmm. And the big, then the very first scene of the movie is where the agent t- attempts to stop the bomber and just misses. It's like he brings this case where he can throw the bomb in, but the bomb explodes before he manages to close the case. So he gets injured terribly. Mm-hmm. So much so that he has to have a surgery to put a new face on him. Yep. Right. So I thought that was very clever of the movie makers because you basically need three actors to play this this one person, right? Mm-hmm. The bartender, Jane, and an unmarried mother. Mm-hmm. 
and they the same person, but somehow you want to. They had one actor to play the bar, bartender, so he he needed a new face. So yeah, he got... <laughs> well, it was very clever because they they have him getting this new face, and then if you listen to the dialogue in the background while it's playing, you hear the the uh, the doctor saying like you know the treatments and the hormone therapies to help you are going to change how some of your physical features are beyond your face, but you're going to be healthy again. But you might notice that you change in height or something. Like they're like they're lampshading the fact that it's a different person, <laughs> but they're explaining it with like science fiction magic. So I, I thought it was very clever that they did it that way. So they basically have one actor who plays the bartender. Ethan Hawke. Yes. And then one actor who plays Jane slash John. So they add the fizzle bomber in the movie, which gives it a little bit more of an action-y edge. The movie is long. The movie's like two and a half hours. Really? It's a long movie. Didn't yeah. feel like like that, did it? It's got a lot going on in it. I'm pretty, if I recall correctly, I might be misremembering because we watched it a few weeks ago, but I remember it being quite a long movie and the story is just not that long. So they made like a really long movie out of like a, a very short story. Like you could read the short story in much less time than you could watch the movie. Yes. <laughs> but 97, I did... 97 minutes. So it's not quite. Oh, it's really only, it's an hour, 40 minutes. Okay. That's yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a longer movie. But I thought I thought the adaptation was really well done. I have some bones to pick with some of it, but I think before we get into the complaining stage of things, with so the movie, um, let's talk about the fizzle bummer. How the fizzle bummer fits into this overall yeah loopy 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 thing. So this might shock you, listeners. The fizzle bomber is also the main character. So again, there is only one character in the story. <laughs> So what they add in to the movie, which is kind of alluded to in the short story, is that time jumping eventually drives you crazy and you eventually lose your mind. So what happens is John time jumping, doing all these things, eventually loses his grip with reality and uh, ends up becoming the fizzle bomber. But like they know that. Yeah, I think what this is jumping all the way to the end, right? So. First of all, there's the whole beginning part with the bar and the discussion of the story, just like, you know, where Unmarried Now that explains the history and because <laughs> what you could meet the person, yada, 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 all mm-hmm. that stuff. While the fizzle bomb is kind of talked about in the background. Right. And he recruits unmarried, unmarried mother to the agency that's going to chase the fizzle bomb. Right. Right. And then turns out that the bartender is the one of the agents who's chasing this fizzle bomber. And the way they chase them is they have uh, the time machine is like a little violin case mm-hmm. with a little dial. So you can dial in the time and, and it takes you there. And Very different from H.G. Wells with all the, the knobs and everything like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens in the end is that the bartender slash agent slash John basically says, you've jumped enough, you being, you, you retire. When you mm-hmm. return from this mission, whatever this last mission was, you will, your, your device will disable. Right. And you won't be able to travel, time travel anymore. And so he gets back to his house in New York, his apartment, but the, something malfunctions with the machine that is not actually disabled. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he goes, you know, still in the same time, at the same time, he goes and finds who he thinks is the fizzle bomber. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. like he finds him in a, like a, a laundry doing his laundry and he goes there and the brief conversation when the, the, the visible bomber tells him says look yes i kill people but i prevent much much worse disasters and he gives mm -hmm. him some examples and john just doesn't believe him or whatever just kills him mm -hmm. and then movie ends but what i got from that is that he's got this time machine that should have been disabled but isn't mm -hmm. so he can see tragedies happen and then says oh, i'm gonna fix that so he jumps back and mm -hmm. does this fizzle bummer thing he he blows something up that prevents a larger tragedy yeah well i mean so the fizzle bomber is him so the person he right. shoots in the laundromat right. he still has to become right so right. that's and what I think yeah the way he becomes it is just the by the fact that this time machine that was supposed to be disabled wasn't right exactly and i, I mean i like that i like that kind of plot uh, i i mean it was very hollywood in a lot of ways you know explosions and guns and stuff like that but i, I think it actually added Not to too the much. story. Yeah. i think it added to the story i think they did yeah. a, a good job i liked the adaptation a lot yeah yeah it was quite good i, I also like just the whole feel of the movie mm -hmm. actually the movie wasn't hollywood it was australian did you know that Oh really? Yeah. Maybe that's why I didn't feel too Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> just, it, it, just they the, did a, Oh yeah, go ahead. No, no, like the the parts that were supposed to be in the sixties were kind of a very sixties feel with the costumes and the the, the scenery. The the things in the fifties were looked more like the fifties kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. right. Well, I think they did a really good job to the director, uh, who whoever it was. I'm sorry, I don't know who it was. When it comes to, like camera angles, because to trick the audience and, you know, sort of lead them down this garden path and do these reveals, you needed to hide things from them and, and have certain points of view. So we right. got scenes initially from Jane's point of view right. and then later from John's point of view. And that was done pretty much by the directing and the camera angles right. and the way right. they were because shot. Because they would then show the face just like in the very opening scene, when you see the fizzle bomber planting the bomb, you mm -hmm. can't see who it is. So I think this was actually my second time watching the movie. Yeah. So as we were, because we had seen it before together. So as we were watching it, I was kind of remembering what what had happened. But I remember the first time watching it being so shocked. I was like, oh, they're the same person. <laughs> <laughs> what? So it worked for me when I was watching it. Uh, so so I, I thought the it was a good adaptation. And I think the things they added to it added to the story in a good way. It wasn't like, like what what was the other movie we did? Um, Arrival, based right. on the story of your life, where they added like the military stuff right. that right. was like dumb, and we didn't need that. We had plenty of story to deal with without that. But that was like stupid Hollywood stuff to add. But this gave it more of a more of a narrative arc, I think. Right. It also was a clever trick to uh, have two different actors play the same person, essentially. Mm -hmm. Right. It, it's interesting though, having the same actor play Jane and Jane. John. That... was the same actress, if you want to be precise. Yes. Well, we, there's no need for unnecessarily gendered nouns in the English language, but alas. But yes, so so let's talk about, do you want to talk about critique of the, the short story in the movie first and then talk about Futurama? Yeah. Okay. So my main problem with both the story and the movie was it's it's not great use of the transition uh, from 
female to male for a person. And it's a rough story to read because Jane was forced to transition. And the story is reliant on the fact that at that time period when this happened to Jane, gender and sex were were intertwined. There was there wasn't a difference. There wasn't an understanding that you can be born uh, female and but but identify as male, right? So the doctors for Jane, against her will, decided that since she would no longer be able to bear children, she therefore must be a man. Well, it was more than just that. I mean, she she could father children too. So only if they removed her female organs and gave her hormone therapies. They talk about it in both the short story and the movie. They had to do quite a lot to transition her. So it's which is a very violent thing to do. Yes. The story the story was not about that, so it wasn't an issue that was explored. And it was 1959. You know, I think Heinlein just wanted had this idea if you would like to do it time travel story where a person could be their own mother and father. Right, exactly. Right. And so that, unfortunately, that really interesting concept, which would allow for some really interesting kind of critique and exploration of that issue, it was just used as a tool in the story to get to, to that yeah. point. Yeah. Which, again, it was 1959 when he wrote it. I mean, I, it was a gimmick. It was a gimmick yeah. story. So, so uh, I get that. The movie... I'm interested in the fact that it took so long for them to make a movie because the movie's from 2014. Right. I think the reason probably that it took so long to get it made, because it's a good story, it's a great story, it's fascinating, mm -hmm. is probably that fact that there was a transition of gender uh, and a physical transition of sex as well in the movie that my guess is until recently probably wouldn't have landed as well. Like I, I imagine an audience in the 90s. No, so I was talking to somebody today about uh, various books and we were talking about stories that occur in many cultures mm -hmm. and uh, similar stories. So many cultures have a story where there's a, a girl who's very able to do something X, but that only in the culture is allowed to be done by boys. Mm -hmm. And she becomes, she basically cross dresses and becomes and, and acts as a boy and does wonderful things. Mm -hmm. And those kinds of stories uh, go back to Shakespeare. Well, which one was the Twelfth Night? Was it? There's so many stories where people cross dress in Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can think of the top of my head, but there's a number of movies and stories and books of that. So this is like this kind of idea, but taken kind of to extreme. The other thing is the idea of hermaphrodite, which comes from Greek mythology. The you know the hermaphrodite was a son of Hermes and Aphrodite, mm -hmm. and he, it was a, as a man. He started as a man, mm -hmm. and he fell in love with a nymph mm -hmm. uh, who was a she, and he asked the gods to make him. You know, he wanted to stay with her always. So the gods, being the Greek gods and having a sense of humor. Mm -hmm kind of combine them into one one being and that's where he was both men and a woman oh. oh i didn't know that story yeah yeah i mean there there are people that are that are intersex that are genuinely intersex and so i mean thinking about you know why would greeks come up with a myth like that unless they observed that kind of a thing in actual life right mm -hmm. yeah i mean they definitely did and there's all different types of there's all different versions of being intersex so undoubtedly 
that was, I mean, it's something that's, something that's always existed. So that's going to exist in every single culture. Right. And there are cultural myths, like you're saying of there's, there's like cross-dressing kind of myths where it's like, you know, you're a girl, but you're, you're dressing as a boy to get something, to be in the military, to be able to do X, Y, Z, whatever. That's one kind of story. Then there's like, ge- like gender kind of stories where it's like, you don't, you're dressing like this because you don't feel comfortable dressing the other way. So that's like, not to bring everything back to Game of Thrones, but in A Song of Ice and Fire, there's a character, Brienne, who is a woman and and feels that she is a woman and doesn't think she's not a woman, but she doesn't feel comfortable being in dresses and being in dancing and that kind of stuff. So she puts on armor and she goes out and she's a knight, pretty much. And she goes out and fights and protects people, whatever. And that's how she expresses her gender identity. This story, I think, suffers a bit from the just the fact that the there's a physical transition as well of literal sex in the story, along with the gender transition. And neither the short story nor the movie really give any kind of space for that to breathe. Right. But I mean, that was not the point of the story, right? That was... I know. And that that's the thing. It's like, I get that it was like, it was a necessary tool for the story, but I don't, I'm also uncomfortable with that. The fact that you kind of have this really, really violent, really personal thing yes. happen to Jane. And that's never really dealt with. It kind of makes her life better because then she's a man and she can be in the secret time police and she can do all like the, it's like almost treated as a positive. What's interesting in the movie. Well, it was 1950s. Yeah. And I mean, that's part of it. You know, you have to deal with the time period the story is set in, I think. Uh, what's interesting in the movie that's very different from the story that I personally found uncomfortable was, and they didn't need to do this, and they did it anyway in the movie. There's two or three scenes where they do these like long lingering, there's three scenes where they do these like long lingering shots of Jane's new body as John. Mm-hmm. And you see like the scars from the uh, breast removal and the scar right. from the C-section. Yeah. And they do it a couple different, they do it once Jane is, John is looking at himself in the mirror. Once John is with the doctor and once the bartender at the yeah, end, the very they're, end, they're yeah, revealing. Yeah. The Just reveal like, kind of makes sense because you're well, kind no, of. But by then you already know that, but yeah. Yeah. But they do these kind of very voyeuristic, like, you know, looking at, mm-hmm. and it's like the, the scene is like the lighting is kind of pale and it's sort of, meant to horrify you and it's meant to be like you know shock look at the shocking thing now he has a penis shocking you know and it's like you didn't need to do that we got it from the dialogue and it's not a nice thing to be like look ogle at this trans person's body you know this trans trans person person? well that's that's the other thing too is is it this is a person who's sexually transitioned but we never know from jane we never find out from Jane if she really identified as a man or not. We just don't know. That language is not in the short story. Right. That language is not in the movie. But didn't exist in that, at that time. So the movie Maybe. was made in 2014. They right. could have they mean, could it, have done something it, with it. It took place in the 50s. But um, they still they still could have done something with it in the short story. She she never renames herself John in the movie. She does. So she I mean she could have there could have been a throwaway line in the movie where she said. I don't feel like a man, but everyone thinks I am. So I go by John now, you know, like even something like that, just to give us some insight into what that character was thinking and feeling, I think would have at least 
explored that a little bit. So that's my, I mean, I think the movie's great, but I do think that's a problematic aspect to it. And the fact that it was made in 2014. Well, but I mean, there, there is a bit of that because Unmarried Mother says I have a unique uh, point of view mm-hmm. so I can really write about woman's point of view, mm-hmm. right? So That's true. That's true. That is kind of an insight into maybe Unmarried Mother doesn't. The female side. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't identify as a man. I mean, there's nothing in the story to in the story or the movie to indicate that Jane does identify as a man. She was transitioned against her will. Uh, well, but then as a girl, she wasn't that girly. And then she didn't get along with other girls. She would punch them. That's also true. Did she, you know, did she have, we, we don't know. These are all questions. We don't know. Was she uncomfortable as a woman? And was this maybe something she really wanted and she really liked? Or... Well, she, she didn't know about her internal organs and stuff. Right. right? So, so it's de- it's definitely interesting. I think my, my complaint is less with the short story because of when it was written and the fact that this vocabulary just like didn't exist and more with the movie because I think, the movie had the opportunity to expand on the story and they did and they expanded on it in a great way with the fizzle bomber plot and they could have addressed that in a way that I think was better and they did not need to do those like like full body nudity and I don't care about nudity but the fact that it's like it's like ogle at this person who's you know gone through this horrible thing like ogle yeah I think just wanted an R rating or something Exactly. <laughs> what was the point? It didn't get us anywhere. <laughs> right. I, and you're right. It is, some of the stuff is like just gratuitous, just, just to get a different, I guess, R rating or something. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I would prefer to be a little bit more subtle, right? So, like the, this, at the very end, we know that the barkeep is, is, is John, is Jane, is the same person. We don't need to be, re, you know, shown exactly that. Mm-hmm. You know, with his scars and stuff. Although by then the scars were pretty much gone anyway. Yeah, I was going to say the other thing that was annoying about it was that it was just inaccurate. Like the scars from the, the, the what they would C-section. call... Well, yeah. the, the scar from what they would call now the top surgery, which is the breast re- re- removal right. surgery. Uh-huh. Those scars heal very well. And if you look at trans men post-top surgery, like years later, they're pretty much gone. Like you can't, mm-hmm. it's not like... In the movie, there's like these bright red lines that are like, ooh, spooky, you know, like it was too much. And the C-section too. Women get C-sections all the time. They don't have giant bright red scars across their stomachs, you know, years later. Right. It right. goes away. You know, you're not, it's not going to, it's not that scary. Calm down, you know. <laughs> so that was my main complaint, but I thought it was still, it was very well done. I think it's worth the watch. Be, yeah. you know, of course, if you guys haven't watched it yet, be aware of the fact that the, it is an R rating and uh, there is a... Uh, that, no, but now we revealed all the details anyway. So if, if you you had better watched it. <laughs> well, now so, we can talk about Futurama. Or did you did you have other comments before we talk about um, Futurama? Now the other things I was thinking I was thinking about other shows where there's cross dressing. Mm-hmm. So there was a very funny show called Bosom, Bosom Buddies mm-hmm. with Tom Hanks, where Tom Hanks and and his friend wanted to live in a girls only dorm. Mm-hmm. So they pretended to be girls and they dressed as girls all the time. Mm-hmm. And lots of funny stuff happened there. Mm-hmm. And there's, of course, a famous movie with uh, Marilyn Monroe called Some Like It Hot, mm-hmm. which is also a comedy where there's two musicians who are being chased by gangsters and they join an old girls band. So they have to dress as girls mm-hmm. and all kinds of interesting stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it, it's 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 interesting because cross dressing in media has been is really prevalent, and it's but it's very different if it's a man cross dressing as a woman versus a woman cross dressing as a man. So I think what you were saying before is really true. When a woman, there's all these stories of women cross dressing as men to do things that they can't otherwise do. Yeah, those kinds of stories are more serious than 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 the other way. Right, men and they, when men dressing as women, it's almost always a comedy. What is that? So you're telling feminism? me that I can't I, I can't uh, make a dress look good? You can make it. You can, <laughs> if you want to wear a dress, that is up to you. I am I am a, a, a sex positive feminist. You do whatever you want with your body. <laughs> and your gender expression, and we will support you. <laughs> oh, thank you. The other thing I just wanted to mention is I kind of was curious whether it's possible to, for hermaphrodite to be pregnant and have a baby. Mm-hmm. And there are some articles I saw this about, you know, a dozen documented cases of that happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, I've read about intersex people, um, and uh, there's a lot of different ways to be intersex. It seems like one of them and I'm not an expert on this, but it seems like one of the more common ways is to be physically born, physically male, but to not have the hormones, uh, like mm. the testosterone hormones. So you develop only with the estrogen. So you have like basically a set of organs that doesn't match with your hormone alignment mm. um, or vice versa. And a, a lot of people that are intersex don't even know. They don't find out until they're much older. Um, like Jane. Like Jane. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I mean, Jane well, because never... all that all that stuff becomes active when you had puberty, right? So, well, also Jane lived in a time when she wouldn't have been like regularly going to the gynecologist. Correct. I mean, there are also women that are born with um, like multiple uteruses, mm. and they often don't find out until they're older and they start going to the gynecologist, and then right. they're usually there's all different ways that can happen. So, but this is not a medical podcast, so we won't get into right. the details. <laughs> But everyone should be accepted for whatever their genitalia are or are not. And we don't ask people what their genitals are. Don't don't ever ask. Oh, um, take a note of that. <laughs> do not ask, do not meet someone and say, hello, what are your genitals? Don't do that. <laughs> Strong recommend. So then the last science fiction thing we could talk about briefly is um or is uh, Futurama. So in two thousand one, Futurama kind of spoofed on this idea in the episode Roswell that ends well, where Fry becomes his own, his own grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. So and I don't know if you remember from the movie, there was, there's actually a song on my own grandpa. And there was somebody trying to play it on a jukebox in the movie. Yes. And I think they mentioned it in the story as well. I, yeah. I, yeah. So what happened with, with Futurama was they, they fall through something or other and they fall back in time. Mm-hmm. To the time when the you know about the Roswell incident, right? It's like aliens in Nevada or something. Allegedly, alien spaceship crashed in Nevada and and stuff. Mm -hmm. Lots of interesting conspiracy theories about it. So, turns out it was Futurama people. Obviously. And uh, Fry's grandfather was actually at the army base right nearby. Mm -hmm. And. Fry realized I was his grandfather, so he wanted to make sure that he would survive and and be fine. He wouldn't be sent to war or anything else. And uh, the professor accidentally killed. No, he takes him to like off off base to like a little house in the middle of nowhere so he can hide. Mm-hmm. It turns out the house was uh, set up for testing of nuclear bombs. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so he kills his own grandfather. 
But then Fry doesn't disappear. He kills his doesn't grandfather. Disappear. And he says, oh, I guess he couldn't have been my grandpa because I didn't die. And uh, Fry had met his grandfather's fiance, Mildred, who right. Fry assumed was his grandma, Mildred. Um, but since Fry's grandfather died, he thought, oh, well, that must, these must not be the right people. These must just be other people. And so he sleeps with Mildred. Turns out it was the right people. <laughs> <laughs> and he becomes his own grandpa. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which is really funny. So I do you think the people at Futurama, I guess they probably took the idea from oh, absolutely, all your zombies. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they, they steal ideas from all these classic science fiction stories left and right. So do do you know of like was was all you zombies like the first story that had this this concept of like fathering yourself? I doubt it. Because it seems it sounds like it's a cool concept, but I feel like it's something that like once you have the idea of time travel, well, you know, they didn't really have the idea of time travel until H.G. Wells, and that wasn't right. that long before. Right. Hmm. So maybe it was. Dear viewers, if you know of any other stories before 1959 that had this concept of being your own father, please let us know. But that it's kind of it's interesting to identify like the first time these classic science fiction ideas crop up. Well, the the idea probably was around. It's just Heinlein kind of really wove it into a great story, right? You know, because mm -hmm. he like really went way out there. Yes, <laughs> he did it to the max. You know. Well, if you're gonna, I guess, because he did it on both sides. He didn't just say he was gonna father right, himself. Like, he like, also mothered himself. That's right. So right. He was his own father and mother. Oh, that's so confusing. So who's his grandfather? Oh, how would the child <laughs> how would the child support work? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So is this a time paradox? Is this would this be considered a paradox? I think so, right? I guess if time travel was possible, could this happen? You know, is it one timeline or many timelines? Or is it a chart on Wikipedia? <laughs> or is it like a loop? I guess it's kind of a loop. It's kind of loopish, yeah. All right. So let's talk about um, our favorite parts. I don't know that I have a favorite part. I got to think about it. Do you have an idea? Well, I, I like the movie. I, I like the movie. First of all, I like just the atmospherics of the movie. Mm -hmm. Right. It was, uh, we talked about visual storytelling. Mm -hmm. uh, so I like this thing, how they try to, like you said, you said before, they showed things from different people's point of view. Like when Jane first meets the guy that she's going to fall in love with, they don't show you who the guy is. He just, mm -hmm. you know, the kind of he's wearing a hat and, and stuff. So you can tell. And then only later you realize who the person is. Um, I wasn't too crazy about the fizzle bomber yeah. idea, but I mean, it, it, you're right. It kind of added to the plot and made it kind of move forward and, and also took care of the face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my favorite part would be i guess i mean i liked the way the reveal came out for both right. both the fact that jane and john were the same person and the additional fact that the bartender was also the same person right that i remember watching the movie the first time and in both reveals being being surprised yes so i think the way you know if they that was the goal they pulled it off at least for me so i, I did like that i do like stories where there's, you know, they kind of pull the rug out from under you. So I, I liked that a lot. And then... The story was the same. It's like you get to the end and it kind of hits you. 
that it's yeah. just one person and it's kind of very skillful. It's like a magic trick almost, you know? Yeah, it definitely is. I think the short story is great and the short story is super short. So like everyone read it, even though we've spoiled it for you, go read it. It's good. Yeah. And then what do you think in terms of, did this movie age well? Now this movie's not that old. It's not that old. It's I only think. eight years old. I mean, because it's set in the fifties and the sixties, I think it aged fine. I mean, it's, it's, it's not really showing the future. It's showing the idea of time travel, but it, and, and our past that kind of matches what we remember mm -hmm. it as. Like the atmospherics yeah. of the movie, you know, I think we're, we're right. I thought it, it aged well for the most part. My two, com my two comments are, I don't think, like I said, for those long voyeuristic shots aged well. Because I think when I first watched the movie many years ago, I was shocked by those shots, but it, it worked for me at the time. But now, kind of with the more prevalence of understanding of gender identity and sex transitions and things like that. Um, I, I find that shocking in a bad way, shocking in a, in a like, I feel right, offended. But I mean, that was, you can argue that's part of the plot that at, at that time, that's how such, such thing would be treated. So. No, I'm just saying the, the, the shots themselves, not the yeah. plot, just like the, the mm -hmm. physical showing of like the whole body like that on screen. I don't think that aspect of it ages very well. And I could see people being uncomfortable with that in a bad kind of way, not in the way they want you to feel uncomfortable. But in yeah, like, I mean, like you could way. easily cut those scenes out and wouldn't miss anything from right. the movie. Right. And then the only other thing is, I think it'll be harder and harder to trick trick the kids coming up now that are watching this, this movie, people that are younger than me, <laughs> because the actor who plays John and Jane so she she's a female actor yeah. actress and so they dress her up as a man for the role of john they give her like a little bit of like stubble and yeah like yeah some dark makeup to make her look like dirty because men are dirty so he's, she's got to be rough and dirty and she like deepens her voice and stuff like that but i think it's very obvious now watching it like as soon as i saw that character come on screen i knew that was that that was not a, a cisgender man. Like I knew that that was someone who was born female. And I didn't know what where the story was going exactly, but I could tell that that was a, I, a woman I dressed mean, up as a man. The first time we saw the movie, I, she, oh, he, an unmarried mother looked kind of odd. And, mm -hmm. and, and of course the rest of them, we explained it and because it was played by the same person, mm -hmm. right. Who was a, a woman. And, um, well, the if first were... time I watched it, I I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I was like the perfect audience member for this movie. I <laughs> fell for everything. <laughs> the first time I watched it, I they said, that's a man. And I said, yep, that's a man. And then they're like, not really. And I'm like, what? You know, some men look a little bit feminine. That's not, not an unusual kind of a thing, right? Right. Yeah. So that's what I think. I think that people are getting more and more used to seeing different types of gender expression. And so it's going to be harder to pull off that kind of trick. Because it's in, in the movie, it's it's part of the reveal. You have to believe the unwed so, unmarried woman. So if man. if this story were to be moved to you know, 2020, right? Mm -hmm. What would happen if if Jane was born in the year 2000? Let's mm -hmm. say, what would happen to Jane when they when she had a baby? They would probably well for legal reasons they would leave all of her organs intact, 
and not do anything. Mm-hmm. And then when she woke up, they give her the rundown uh-huh. and see what she wanted to do. And then if she wanted to. So if she wanted to remain a woman, then the baby would disappear. (laughs) You make an excellent point. (laughs) (laughs) Make an excellent point. Oh, no. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, maybe at that point, you know, maybe Jane, like we were talking about, you know, she wasn't, you know, she was quote unquote, not like other girls. Maybe she would want would, to try being a man. Would for want a while. transition, you know. Maybe she was somebody who really identified as a man, but in the 1950s, you don't you don't have that language, or the ability to express mm-hmm. that. So maybe she would choose to. Maybe that that would be like a nice modern take on it. Like, go ahead, rewrite it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be lovely. Like young woman who's like questioning her, or like no, she's known ever since she was a kid that she was different. And she's growing up in like the 2000s and whatever. And she's like realizing maybe she's really a trans man. And then she gets pregnant and has this baby. And then discovers that really she's intersex. And she has the ability to fully transition if she wants to. And so she does. And then she time travels with the time traveling police and fathers herself. I think that would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody get on that. (laughs) (laughs) See, that would be like a nice. That's what I'm saying. They could have done that in the movie. There was no reason they couldn't do exactly that. In no, the because movie. back in the fifties, when when she would have this operation, a woman would not be consulted on such things. I'm not saying, but they could even do that. They could leave that she wasn't consulted, but they could have made her character happy about it. They could have made her character feel. Yeah, and but then she wouldn't go to the bar and drink and and meet the bar barkeep. Well, so. She could still do that because her baby was stolen. She can still be mad because this guy got her pregnant, left her, and then someone stole her baby. Yeah, she can still be mad about that. That's enough for her to be mad at him. Okay. So I'm um, see. This is what I'm saying. I think modern problems require modern solutions. I think outside the box. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, that's what I, that's what I mean when I'm saying like it's it. This for me, the story in the modern day is not qu- quite modern. Enough. I can understand. Yeah. Yeah, but but still great. Strong recommend everyone. Go and watch it. Okay, so I think that's everything. Do we have anything else on predestination? I think that's it. Cool. It was a really, it was a fun. It was fun a fun story. movie. And yeah. A fun, fun story. Yeah. And, and a love, good Futurama episode. Yeah, I was gonna say it's one of the best Futurama episodes. It's so good. <laughs> so okay, so what are we doing next? So you decided that we should do three body problem. Yes, all of my friends at work are reading three body problem now, and I feel left out. So if we do it for the podcast, then I'll actually read it. I heard it's long. It's long, but it moves. I've read it once already, so I'll probably mm-hmm. maybe listen to the audiobook instead. It has some interesting Chinese history, mm-hmm. you know, recent Chinese history, and uh, interesting twist. And I know three-body problems like a physics problem, right? Right. A three-body problem, it's a problem in physics when you have three... Uh, bodies moving with gravitational force is to predict the paths is, is essentially impossible. Sounds like math. Yeah. It doesn't come up in a story. That's good. Yeah. So next time we'll do, th- uh, you know, allegedly next time we'll do three body problem. I'm, I'm going to threaten to read three body problem and hopefully we'll do that next. Okay. Um, and then maybe we'll return to our, our time, time travel travels. 
that we've been doing. Time troubled, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to History in Reverse. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. And if my camera randomly cuts out, that doesn't mean I'm gone. That happened when I was just on the call with them, too. I don't know. This computer just right. sometimes the camera cuts. Yeah, we just care about the sound. Yeah. Not recording the video, so. All right. Let me know when we're recording. We are recording. So we can do outtakes first if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting ready. I'm getting into my...